0: Well, we are going to just uh, do a a special study today and um, preparing our hearts for this week of Thanksgiving in our culture. You know, it's a special week of Thanksgiving and um, praying, praying about this, this, this week and talking with the elders. And it was just really cool to see the Lord kind of bring the scriptures uh, to heart um, and give some direction Um, essentially what we're going to do today is go through Paul's introductory statements in a few of his epistles uh, where where we see his heart of thanksgiving for um, the local church that he'd be ministering to. And, And with the heart of thanksgiving, some prayers for those bodies. And so why don't we pray before we get into it? Lord, I'm very excited to do this um, look into your word today. I feel just your leading and your direction for this sermon today, God. Um, Just like Jack last week had been given a message for us um, five months ago or so, Uh, Lord, I, I believe you specifically gave us this for today. Uh, for this time that our church is in, uh, for this week of thanksgiving, for the vision and direction, Lord, to make disciples. Uh, God, as you've put a uh, heart for the unreached and unengaged in us, Lord, that um, that the the theme of thanksgiving, um, Lord, you want it to go way way more deep than it's ever been in our lives. And and so do a work of your spirit today, Lord. Um, encourage and lift up where we need to be encouraged. Um, speak words of exhortation to us where we need that. Lord, bring repentance. Get our eyes on Jesus today. I pray that if there's anyone in this room that, that doesn't know Jesus in a relationship, uh, they've never been born again, that, uh, Lord, that you would help me to preach the gospel. And, Lord, that you would touch hearts to receive the gospel We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. This week, millions of Americans will gather with their extended families. They and we will eat to excess, uh, watch a little football, to a state of pleasant drowsiness, and uh, the unlucky ones will spend a lot of time shopping. But uh, a lot of us don't remember the Puritans and the pilgrims of the, the early 1600s, unless our children are in school and they do some kind of special Thanksgiving drama and put some construction paper feathers in their hair or something like that. Um, but it would, it's good for us this week to do a little study of history and, and do some research on our own of what some of our um, spiritual fathers went through. Um, Let's remember the Puritan pilgrims and how they left religious persecution of the Church of England, fleeing to Holland and the Netherlands, where they then experienced paganism and licentious living there in Holland. And so they were then led to flee and to move to a new land where they would be able to love God and worship God in purity. And something that I've noticed in my limited study this week of this, it was limited, some videos, some blogs, some studying, a uh, little bit of Schoolhouse Rocks in there, um, <laughs> I was with Russell, a little bit of Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, you know, so it's it's a limited knowledge that I have. Um, but one thing that struck me was that this group of people, this church, uh, even narrowed down to a local body that was traveling together uh, and trying to worship the Lord together and hold each other accountable, they longed for community. And they longed for a type of community that we are seeing happen here at Calvary Chapel of Crook County. Interesting thing. I didn't go into it looking for that. But as I read some historical journalings and things like that, I was... I was encouraged by that. I was blessed by that, that, uh, that these folks, um, no doubt having their flaws and maybe a little bit of theological differences on some non-essential things than maybe some of us, that they loved the Lord and they wanted to worship him in spirit and in truth and they wanted to live for Christ together in a community. But the neat thing is, because I began reading and I began to think, oh, well, man, the bummer is that they just wanted to live kind of like go like be a, a commune somewhere and it, you know, go, go to uh, be like a Jamestown or a Cape, at the Cape Cod, you know, at uh, Plymouth Rock and just kind of, now we're just going to like build a fort and just try to be pure together and that's it. Uh, and I learned that that wasn't the case, that the Holy Spirit had been working in these Puritan pilgrims, a mission mindedness. Here's something I read about it. uh, Something compelling of their journey to the new land was the possibility of missionary work, an opportunity that rarely arose within their Protestant stronghold. Reasons for departure are suggested by uh, Bradford in his journal when he notes the discouragements of the hard life they had in the Netherlands and the hope of attracting others by finding a better and easier place of living. The children of the group have been drawn away by evil examples into extravagance and dangerous courses. This is speaking of their time in Holland. The great hope that they had was for the propagating and advancing of the gospel of the kingdom of Christ in those remote parts of the world. I was super blessed by that to hear the missionary heart of the pilgrims as they hopped on the Mayflower and made their way towards the new world. With that in mind, and and thinking of Thanksgiving, and thinking of, you know, uh, the history of the pilgrims, and all of that, and the meeting of the natives, and the the farming that, you know, was going horribly, but that God came and blessed uh, with the natives, um, I was reminded just of that heart to advance the gospel while living in a community of like-mindedness, worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. And I was reminded of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a man who lived in the 1940s. He's from Germany. Uh, He'd come to America to study uh, in in some of his, um, he's just a very well-read, very learned man. He's a professor and a pastor and a martyr. Uh, He was martyred as he was arrested by the Nazis, uh, in Germany. Uh, he had the opportunity to flee to America and be safe, but he said, I will have no ministry with my German countrymen after the war if I didn't walk through these trials with them. And so he went back and he lived among the Germans and he preached the gospel and he was arrested. And one month before the, the end of World War II, uh, he was hung uh, in a concentration camp. <clears throat> but something that this German martyr writes in a book called Life Together. In this book, he talks about the glory and the privilege of knowing other Christians. And he writes, therefore let him who until now has had the privilege of living a common Christian life with other Christians, praise God's grace from the bottom of his heart. Let him thank God on his knees and declare it is grace, grace, nothing but grace, that we are allowed to live in community with Christian brethren. And so this week, I felt the Lord stirring a heart of thanksgiving that we would bless the Lord today, that we would worship the Lord for his grace that we are allowed to live in this community this local body and what he's doing here here and now and leading us towards depth in that and so let's go to uh, we're going to go through some of the beginning greetings in epistles and glean from some of that heartfelt gratitude for christian community Um, Romans one is where we'll start Romans one, eight through 12, where Paul says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. We're going to see a lot of this Thanksgiving in Paul for the churches. And we'll see some of the things that prompt and motivate thanksgiving. And then we'll see how that will often move towards intercession and prayer uh, for that body. Uh, And so, first of all, he says, I'm thankful that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. And as I was studying, I I felt like I, I would just drop to my knees and I would... Uh, Thank the lord for the same things that paul was able to thank the lord for that was awesome And maybe where there were things that that weren't happening here that happened there Uh, then I prayed for that for us if the lord would have that for us But I was able right away in the first passage. I came to to give a similar prayer of thanksgiving for you calvary chapel And I want to give god glory just as paul did to the romans As we are seeing news outside of our body of what's happening here. That the Holy Spirit has a work that is happening in this church. And we are small and we are humble and we are unlearned and this and that. But by the grace of God, his spirit is working here in power and word is getting out through various ways. One woman praised God recently. As she told me, what God is doing here is the talk of the town. I was able to give God glory because I hadn't just heard that from her. I recently met with the Prineville fire chief. And uh, we were looking at maybe renting a building from the fire department. And at the end of our meeting, he says, Rory, I have heard of the great things that God is doing in and through this church. And he gave glory to God. I was so exciting to be standing there with a fireman and his badge and his, you know, his leather thing with the walkie-talkie you know, and, and the sirens were going out. No, that wasn't happening. But, but to hear just a, a man of the, this community respects say that about our church. I received an email from Mountain Child this week. Uh, this email was sent from Kathmandu. Nepal, the other end of the world. And here's what Chela wrote. We have heard what an absolute blessing your church is and can't wait to meet your team ourselves. For Jack to come here and, and spend time, you know, I've gone and I've spoke places and, and, you know, God's blessed those times where I've gone and spoke at places. But, but to be able to say, you know what, God's actually doing something incredible at the place where I spoke you know, that's, that can be rare sometimes. And for a man who is, he's a world traveler, he's a world missionary, he's, he's almost like a modern-day apostle, uh, for him to give a report that God is doing, this week he used the word extraordinary things in this little body. He went on to, to say similar words. That was, that was a blessing. And he says, I'm not trying to pat you guys on the back. I genuinely see the Holy Spirit move in incredible ways. Ways that I don't see in mega churches with 30,000 people. God's doing it here. And so by the grace of God, I thank God and I praise God. This is not us. We're not awesome. Nothing like that. We give glory to God. We're just along for what the Lord is doing. And And as he calls us to go, we're going, we're moving, we're walking in obedience. Matthew Henry said, it's a desirable thing to be famous for faith. And God is making us famous. And it's not because of us. It's not for us. It's not so that we would, you know, just get a ton of money and and just get big and fat and sassy and just be like, me, look at me. No, we're not famous for ourselves. We're famous for what God is doing. God is famous. And so Paul goes on to say, so, so today we thank the Lord for that. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for what God is doing. He goes on to say, for God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. And then he goes on to say, making request in verse 10. And so he thanks God and he makes mention of them in prayer. So as he's, Grateful for what God is doing, it spurs him on to intercession for this group, this church in Rome. And we will see this many times today with Paul's introductions a thankful heart followed by consistent prayer. And you know what? That's how we should pray. That's what our prayers should look like. Philippians tells us that in the famous passage that we come to when we're worried or anxious. Philippians 4, 6, where it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your prayers be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And so as we come, and maybe you're, a, maybe you just are just anxious all the time. You're just worried all the time. Don't be anxious, but go to prayer and don't just pray, God do this, God do this, God do this. Be thankful in your prayers. Be thankful in your prayers. Remember when Aaron spoke a couple weeks ago and we kept using that phrase uh, from Oswald Sanders, his past faithfulness demands our present trust. So when we're worried and we're anxious, we go to prayer but when we are thankful in our prayers, it reminds us of his past faithfulness, doesn't it? Thank you, God, for doing this. Thank you, God, for doing that. Thank you, God, for moving here. Thank you for providing this. Lord, you have been good. You've been faithful. And that helps me with my present trust as I intercede for things to happen. I've been really trying to disciple my kids in that. Uh, we've been getting a whole lot of prayer and there's times where they're praying for the nations and praying for the countries, and that is so awesome. But a lot of times when it's just like a pressing into prayer and and you know being obedient, a lot of times we get the Jesus help me to have a good day and help me to have a good day tomorrow and help me to have a good day. You know, just help us to have a good time. And it's like, okay, that is just like <laughs> the Lord has more for us than just have a good day. You know, uh, and and I'm teaching them guys, let's in every prayer let's thank the Lord for things. Let's thank the Lord for what. He's doing the psalm that I read today when we started worship was psalm 92 verses 1 through 4 uh, and, it, and it says we'll just do verses 1 through 3. It is good to give thanks to the lord And to sing praises to your name o Most high To declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night On an instrument of 10 strings on the lute and on the harp with harmonious sound Now verse 2 is a verse that I have carried in my heart for about 13 years to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. About 13 years ago, a man named Tom Ewers, who spoke four years ago at our men's retreat, uh, and a dear friend of mine, uh, one of my spiritual giant mentors from Calvary Chapel, Corvallis, he spoke this verse over my life. I used to say uh, uh, on a regular basis to Tom, Hey Tom, what's the good word? What's the good word for the day? And he'd always share a scripture from his personal time with the Lord that day. And it always was impactful. And I remember the day that he read or quoted Psalm 92 too to me. He said, In the morning, we declare his loving kindness. As we witness him move in power and might throughout the day, by the evening time, we're able to lay our heads down And when we begin to worry as we're trying to sleep, we recall his faithfulness that day and we are given peace and rest. And so in the morning, you declare God's faithfulness, his loving kindness rather. And in the evening, remember his faithfulness. Colossians 4.2 tells us that we are to continue earnestly in prayer, continue in prayer steadfastly, And be vigilant in it with thanksgiving. That means to be open-eyed with thanksgiving. So as we're praying, don't just list off the stuff that you want to see done. Thank the Lord for what he has done. Paul does that in each one of these epistles that we'll study today, these introductory statements. He says, I thank the Lord and then I make mention of you. He says in verse 10, I make request if by some means now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you for I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. That is that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and of me. So his thankfulness for this faith of the Romans, which was being spoken of throughout the whole world, led him to pray that he could come and that there could be mutual encouragement. Paul as the minister wasn't the one to do the ministering. It was a mutual ministering. We are all called to be ministers in the local church, whether you're an elder, a deacon, you're paid staff, or you're not paid staff. You're a volunteer and you you show up to help. We're all to minister to one another. There's to be mutual encouragement. Lawit writes, Paul didn't wish to lord over the Romans' faith, but rather to be a helper of their joy. The apostle corrects his former expressions. My desire is to instruct you and do you good, and for us to instruct and do good to one another. In giving, I shall also receive. Now, this Thanksgiving week and, and reading through these and praying through these and praying for you guys and thanking the Lord for this church, I've had to write in my notes that the encouragement in this body is not one sided. But I am so encouraged by you, church. Many times I've praised God for the mutual edification that takes place here in this season even going through covenant membership, myself and the elders have received countless phone calls and texts and emails and sit-down chats and encouragement and edification where we would end up worshiping the Lord together for what he's doing in this church, even moving towards the membership. One preacher said, Paul is not insincere in speaking like this. For there is none so poor in the church of Christ who may not impart to us something of value. It is only our malignity and pride that hinders us from gathering such fruits from every quarter. Do you know if you're here today, God has a way for you to mutually edify people, to encourage people? Before you leave, I challenge you to say, Lord, how do you want me to love on someone, encourage someone, build them up in you, love on them? That's not just my job. It's not just the elder's job. It's all, all of our job. And there's no one so poor that they can't have that role. Let's move to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, where Paul writes, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given to you by Christ Jesus. So what prompted praise and thanksgiving to God in the Corinthian epistle. It was the evidence of God's grace poured out upon the Corinthians. As, you, as we've recently studied that book, no doubt he's thinking of the household of uh, Stephanos, as we read of in, in 1 Corinthians 16, uh, I think it's like verse five or something. Stephanos' household and, and um, you know, Aquila and Priscilla and, and those that were serving there. It was obvious that the grace of the Lord Jesus had been given to the Corinthian body as, as the Corinthians were a pagan Greek culture that were in, trapped in sin and prostitution and idol worship. They were a Las Vegas of their day. And yet in the midst of their depravity that was so radical, God saw fit to look upon them and to choose them and to call them out of such darkness and wickedness and to pull them up out of the miry clay and to set their feet upon the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the grace of God that he would do that. There was nothing in and of the Corinthians that was good in and of themselves that God would save them. But he in his great love and his mercy and his grace pursued them and sent the apostles, and sent Paul, and sent Aquila and Priscilla, and sent Apollos to the Corinthians, that Paul would be able to say to such a depraved Grecian culture, I thank God that the grace of God is evident among you. That is incredible. The same could be said for us today. That we also, in verse 5, have been enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge. The manifestation of the Spirit had been poured out on the Corinthians. Now, Paul would shepherd them and correct them in those areas, how they were using the gifts in order and decency and being, you know, they were prideful about their spiritual gifts. But nonetheless, they were spiritual gifts that were poured out and were being used in abundance. And Paul said, before I correct you in it, I got to praise God that you are using it and it's evident the Holy Spirit is moving. Verse 6, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. So they'd been enriched in everything, verse 5 says, in utterance, in knowledge. They'd come short in no spiritual gift. They were a church that the Holy Spirit was showing up, manifesting himself in the gifts of the Spirit, And in that, the Corinthian church was eagerly waiting for the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Romans speaks of that a few different times. That we who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the coming of the Lord, where our adoption will be made final. It'll be obvious that we've been adopted, where our bodies will have been redeemed We eagerly wait for the coming of the Lord Jesus. Paul tells the Philippians that we look for the, or excuse me, that our citizenship is in heaven from which we eagerly wait for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Christian is to be marked with an eagerness of the imminent return of the Lord Jesus. That he is coming that he is coming quickly and that we would have an excitement and an eagerness with eyes to the sky saying, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. Come God. As Peter says, that we are looking for and hastening the coming, that blessed day of God because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire and the elements will burn with fervent heat. Titus is told that we're to be looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Guys, don't lose that. Don't lose eyes to the sky waiting for Jesus to come. The Corinthians were those who had their eyes fixed. They were waiting and they were heeding the words of the Lord Jesus to watch. It was the Lord Jesus, verse 8, who would also confirm them to the end. He said that you may be blameless in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now this word confirm is used twice. Once in verse 6 and once in verse 8. It means to cause to believe and to verify and to increase in inner strength. Verse 6 says the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. It was obvious in the Corinthians that, and, and verified in them that Jesus, the gospel, had been received and was being lived out. But we also see in verse 8 that Jesus will confirm and verify and increase the Corinthians in strength to the end, to the day that Jesus does return, that we may be blameless in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. My prayer for us in this day of thanksgiving, this week of thanksgiving, is that as the grace of God has been evidence among us, and as we're moving towards many great and wonderful things in mission and in community, that we would keep our eyes on Jesus and his return, that we would be eager and excited to see him face to face and to know him just as we are known. Moving along to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15-23. through 23. It says, therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So he says, I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Paul will praise God for this in the Colossians life and in the life of Philemon as well. These two things were something that Paul had his eyes on in the local church. What would prompt Paul to give thanks? It would be when a Christian would love God and follow God with faith. And when a Christian would love people. These are the two great commandments loving God and loving people. As the golden tongued third century preacher Chrysostom said, faith and love he often joins together, a wondrous pair. But then in verse 18, we see that hope is also added. Revelation chapter 2, verses 4 through 6, we see a, a future look at this Ephesian church, something that Paul hadn't yet seen. When Jesus says to them, nevertheless, I have this against you that you've left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen, repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And so Jesus would speak to the Ephesians that, remember when you used to love and have such a a pure faith in the Lord God, you've left that first love. Come back to loving me. A thankfulness that there's a love for God in this place, there's a faith in the Lord Jesus. But in the season that we're in, you guys, don't balk and don't fall short in your trusting in the Lord and his good plan for this church. And don't pull back from loving the Lord as the Ephesians did. It was from Ephesus that all of Asia heard the gospel, the Jews and the Greeks, Paul says, or Luke writes in Acts 19.10. And so he said, I'm thankful for you for these things. But then he goes on in Ephesians 1.16 to say, then I make mention of you in my prayers. There's two prayers in Ephesians, big prominent prayers. One we see in verse 18, where he says, that you may know, which is a prayer for enlightenment. And the second prayer is that you may be, in chapter three, verse 19, which is a prayer for enablement. And so Paul prays that, that we would be enlightened to the gospel, to the good and gracious things that God has done for us. And that would lead to the second half of the book of Ephesians where then he would pray that we would be enabled to live lives that reflect such an incredible, glorious gospel. The more we know what Jesus has done for us, the more we will be enabled to live for him and live up to those blessings he has for us. Uh, reading through verses 17 through 23 here in Ephesians 1, says that I pray, uh, I make mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge or the recognition or the discernment of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance to the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, reading all of that, we don't just want you to have a head knowledge about Jesus. We pray for a spiritual revelation and a wisdom of who he is through experience and relationship with Jesus. Paul would pray that to the Ephesians in Chapter 3, verses 14 through 19, where he says, For this reason, I bow my knees in prayer to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend or grasp with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which is the word gnosko, to know by experience the love of Christ, because you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. One of the prayers and after thanking the Lord for the Ephesians His prayer is that they would know God. Yes, that they would reveal, have a revelation and a grasp of who God is and what he's done, but then that they would know him by experience through relationship. That type of a relationship with Jesus goes way beyond knowledge and fills us with the fullness of God. That's a prayer for us at Calvary Chapel of Crook County. So thankful for what God is doing and my thanksgiving moves me to pray that we would go beyond a mere head knowledge for Jesus and an experience of knowing him just as we are known and just as we would know even our closest friend or family member would move us to radical things for him. He prays that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened and that they would know his power. He speaks of Jesus who is the head and who's put all things under his feet, even the church Christ's body. I love that there's a mentioning there in Ephesians of the church, that he prays over the church, the body of Christ, calling it the fullness of him. The church is the fullness of him who fills all in all. As we go down to Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. We don't have that many to go, just in case you're wondering. (laughs) He says to the Philippians, which, by the way, he had such a sweet, sweet relationship with the church in Philippi. It was different than a lot of the other churches. There was not really any correction or anything like that. There was a lot of joy uh, in in this epistle. Um, He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Every time Paul would remember Lydia and her household and the ex-demon-possessed girl and the prison keeper in his whole household and how God had miraculously taken them over into Europe from Troas through the vision of the Macedonian men and then the birth of that church there, uh, even in the midst of persecution in Paul's life, he thanked the Lord of his, remem- of his, rememory, uh, his memory of the Philippians and his experience there. And he goes on to say in verse 4, always in every prayer of mine, so I thank God for every remembrance, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship of the gospel from the first day until now. So thankful for the the, the history and the exciting things that God's done in, in Philippi, and then praying for fellowship in the gospel. There's three elements of this type of fellowship. There's spiritual communication, which is sharing the truth of Christ. There's sympathetic cooperation and sharing, working together for Christ. And there's sweet communion, making us partners with Christ. Being confident, verse 6, of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until until the day of Jesus Christ. This means that That God has begun this work and he will perfect it up until the return of Christ Jesus. In prayer, remembering that God has done a good work in this church and in its people. And he will complete it and perfect it until the day the Lord returns. The Lord's coming is designed by God in every age of the church to be regarded as near. It's to be the goal set before believers' minds rather than their own death. And I wonder if that's how we are as a church. Eyes to the sky, once again, in an introduction to look for the imminent return of Christ Jesus for his bride. It's to be on our mind. Don't be thinking death, people. Be thinking God is coming back. Jesus is coming back for us. We have a task to do. Verse 7, he says, just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, I too can say Jesus will complete and perfect his work in this church. And it's right for me to think so because we see what God is doing in this body. And as much both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. Paul longed to see the Philippians more than human emotions can convey, as if it was Christ longing himself for us. And you know what? I believe that is how we feel for each other, right? I want to say that's how I feel for you, but I think that's how you feel for us in this church. There's a a Family bond here. I don't know if you've read Aaron Mapes' posts on Facebook lately. He's one of the elders in the church, and how he just writes about how much he loves us as a church, as his family. And I got choked up reading his post the other day because because of this deep longing and affection with the affection of Christ. Literally the the wording is longing with the bowels of Christ. When the when the writers of the New Testament would write of such compassion and longing. It spoke of just the deepest part of us longing for somebody. And I believe that God has done this here in our church. The elders getting together on Thursday night this week and meeting, but more than meeting, just thanking God for what he's doing here. Thanking God for you all. Spending time at the end of our meeting at about 1030 at night and and, some of us on our face, some of us with tears pouring down our cheeks, some of us just weeping with joy and with passion for you as we interceded for you and prayed for this church and long for you guys, so thankful that God has seen, by his grace, seen fit to, to put us in a place of ministry with you. We long for you. And this I pray that your love may abound, verse 9, still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Again, there we see the day of Christ being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And so we pray over you today that your love may abound. That your love would cover a multitude of sins here at this church. That your love would be that fruit of the Spirit that Galatians 5 says it is. It's love that's the fruit of the Spirit. And then out of love comes joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. In this season of our church, you guys, we need love. Love for God and love for each other, love for people. We pray over you that in this season as a church, as the Philippians had the prayer, that you would approve the things that are excellent, that God would move you towards that, that you would be sincere. The opposite of that is being a hypocrite. That you would be sincere in this time, without offense till the day of Christ. Christ. I say in this time, but Paul had that that return of Jesus as the goal. Notice all of this at the end of verse 11 is for the glory of God. That's the chief end of man. That's, That's everything we do here. That's the end of our vision statement on the back wall. The bottom line, for the glory of God, that he would be made great through everything that we do. The Colossians greeting Chapter 1, verse 3, we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. There's always with Paul, and I don't see this in Peter, you know, I don't see this in um, the writer of Hebrews, but it seems the introduction wasn't included in that manuscript. Uh, But what we see with Paul was thankful remembrance and then prayer uh, because of the thankfulness. We see that in Colossians as well. Uh, and it was notice it's similar since we heard of your faith in Jesus and your love for the saints as something that we have here. And we pray for more of here faith in the Lord Jesus and love for one another because of the hope, which is laid up for you in heaven, which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it also is in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard it and knew the grace of God in truth. I like what my friend Sandy Adams writes. Understand the year for the Colossian letter is 62 AD. It's been just 30 years, three decades since the risen Christ ascended into heaven. There's been no printing press or motorized travel or electronic communication. Al Gore hasn't even invented the internet. Yet already the gospel has been spread throughout the whole Mediterranean world. It proves there's no limit to what God can do through the ability of the Holy Spirit and the availability of believers with simple faith. And so as we are thankful, as Paul was for the Colossians, we are thankful that you have faith in Jesus for what God is doing here in this church, locally and globally And having a love for one another and a love for the saints, God is using us at Calvary Chapel of Crook County in the same way that he's using the Colossian church. The original Greek word there is that the the kingdom was still growing. And I like that because even today, the gospel is still growing through this local fellowship. By the grace of God, we get to take it out. We get to take it out where it's never been heard before. Uh, we've got First uh, and Second Thessalonians real quick and Philemon, and then we're finished. First, 1, 1 Thessalonians 1, 2 through 8. We give thanks to God always for you, so there's the thankfulness, making mention of you all in our prayers, or making mention of you in our prayers. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope. So it's interesting here. He remembers their faith, right? But that they had a work of faith. He remembers their love, but that it was a labor of love. And he remembers, he throws in hope here, which I like. There was patience of hope. So the Thessalonians, uh, who were a persecuted church, they had work, they had labor, and they had patience. And they had it all in faith, hope, and love. Just as, 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says in the love chapter, now abide faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. He says to to the first Thessalonians, as if that's what they were called, he says, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. And I really felt, As I was studying for this passage, I felt like this was such a word for our church in this week of Thanksgiving. You guys, could you please, maybe just where you're at, just say, Lord, do you have a word for me in this? I am, I was, I was burdened and I was excited all at the same time as I was studying this passage. I was like, my heart started beating as I was like, huh, Wow because I felt like it was almost synonymous with our fellowship, that this passage, when the gospel has been preached here from and through Calvary Chapel of Kirk County, it has never been merely in word, but it has been in power and in the Holy Spirit. As we know the Holy Spirit, the fruit of that is love. There's been radical love in our preaching The Holy Spirit has shown up here in joy and in salvation, people being saved and in healing. Even in the last year, we've had the Holy Spirit manifest himself through physical healings, multiple, that are confirmed. That is a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power here. In the book of Acts, that was always validating the gospel that was preached. But Paul says, our gospel also came to you in much assurance. And as we as the elders and people from the church have preached the gospel, we have assured you from the word of God, from holy men, from having classes with you where we will show you our methodology of biblical interpretation so that you can know that we are preaching the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ from this leatherback book. So that you can never say of us that we are being deceptive. We have laid ourselves bare teaching you how we teach so that you can go teach. So that you could come back to us if you have concerns and that you could come back having searched the scriptures for yourself according to the same rules of interpretation. We have assured you from our time and our energy spent assuring the meetings, the phone calls, the hours, the love. Paul says here, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. Guys, we have lived among you as elders and deacons of this body. You know that we have taught right doctrine, that we have labored in the word of God, that we have labored in prayer And fasting for weeks and days. You know us in our humility. In our serving. In our loving. In our tending. In our time. Energy. Money. Pursuing you in love. Sweat. Tears. Pain. Blood. Giving glory to God whom glory is due. Not peddling the word for dishonest gain. And what's the result of that? Verse 6, and you became followers of us and of the Lord. You guys, I beg you in this season of moving forward with covenant membership, with global evangelism, remember what manner of men we've been among you in all of these areas. The Thessalonians had received the word of God in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. They'd become examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believed. The word of the Lord had sounded forth. He says, in every place, your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. It's almost a Romans type thing. I want you to know that through you all, in your bold testimonies, on the job, and in the community, the word of God has gone forth. Again, there is a fame of what God is doing here for his glory In Facebook posts within the community as we've loved on them. In newspaper articles written from people in Ben about what God has done as we've loved on this community last winter. Newspaper articles about what the Lord is doing in in global evangelism. There's a connection through Jack Reed that you guys someday will be able to show you in, in all of it what God is doing on a book of Acts scale of power it's such a large scale that the faith of this church is being known not only among people, but we believe among the spiritual realm as well. I don't have time today to share with you what happened that is so powerful in our meetings with Jack this last weekend so that we could go out and, and preach the gospel in Nepal and in other places as well. But let me tell you, it is something that that has left us in awe. It is something that has had me praying all week, Lord, there you are in heaven, and here I am on earth, and, and you created all of this, and yet it is obvious through this weekend that you have looked down and seen this body and have chosen us to do great things for you. I can't believe, Lord, that in your grace you see us and that we would get to be a part of Book of Acts, biblical scale type stuff. We know the Lord knows what's going on because he's been doing it. Peter tells us the angels see what's going on. And in our meeting Thursday night, talking about what God is doing, we said as elders, you know what? We believe that Satan knows us. And that kind of shows what God's doing, you know, there's something we believe is maybe just a word from the Lord, just some discernment of how to be praying and moving forward, but that the prince of darkness is aware of the momentum that God is pushing us towards so that the gospel of Jesus can be preached among all people groups, that Jesus can be glorified and that he knows. Praise the Lord for that. 2 Thessalonians We're bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting. It's just a fitting thing to be thankful for you because your faith grows exceedingly. And for the love of every one of you abounds towards each other. So they had faith, exceeding, and love. Philemon, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith, which you have towards the Lord Jesus Christ, toward all the saints. Do you get that again? Love and faith towards the Lord and towards the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. And so as we conclude with this prayers of thanksgiving for what God's doing here and for you as individuals, there's also been, as Paul did, times of intercession and prayer for more, for higher up, for further in. We're going to move to communion here in close, and it's interesting that the word "thanks" in the Bible is the word "eucharistio," eucharist, communion. And so as we come to the table, we are thankful. As Jesus, before Passover, his last meal was thankful for this last meal. It's his last meal. He's about to go be crucified, and he's thankful. And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to the disciples. He said, take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup and gave thanks. He gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. As we take communion today, it's the true Thanksgiving feast of our week. Be thankful for the body of Christ that he offered himself up for salvation. But also today, be thankful for the body of Christ that he has saved us into. Let us pray. It is grace, grace, nothing but grace that we are allowed to live in community with Christian brethren. Let's go ahead and bow our head and close our eyes and prepare to worship the Lord in communion.